Hello, my rebels. I'm going to go deep on Wendy Mensley's big diary, Dear Diary, by Wendy Mensley. She was given 1,500 words in the Globe and Mail to explain her use of the N-word. She never apologizes for it, though, which is uh, sort of interesting. I take you through it line by line, and I'm sorry to do that to you, but it's quite a, quite a Rorschach test. That's those ink blot tests, just a little insight into Wendy Mansley's mind, quite incredible. Uh, so uh, <laughs> join me for that. And uh, before you do, let me invite you to become a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. That's the video version of this podcast. Just go to rebelnews.com, click subscribe. It's eight bucks a month. That's a bargain, if I do say so myself. Half the price of Netflix and way more interesting. Plus, we don't take any money from Trudeau and it shows. So if you could help us out eight bucks a month, that would make a big difference. Just go to rebelnews.com and click subscribe. All right, here's the podcast. Tonight, Wendy Mesley is finally fired from the CBC, and she wants to let you know she's really disappointed. It's July 7th, and this is The Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're the biggest carbon oh, consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. You know Wendy Mensley. We all know Wendy Mensley. She had a long career at the CBC marked by nepotism. She was, of course, Peter Mansbridge's ex, so she had a special place at the Mother Corp. She was a conspiracy theorist, which was different than her early career as just arm candy. She had a show in the end of her twilight years that was basically a U.S. conspiracy of the week. Crazy rumors about... Donald Trump Jr. about to be arrested, stuff that was too kooky for the internet, it made it on Wendy Mesley's show. She was on the lowest rated time on the lowest rated day of the channel. It was like her retirement home, but she did serve a function for the CBC. She was the channel's accuser in chief in the culture wars, accusing all of Trudeau's enemies and the CBC enemies of being racist bigots. Here's a clip of her interviewing Maxime Bernier, and she just couldn't help but call him a racist, because that's her move. You got a lot of criticism for your comments about extreme multiculturalism, kicked yeah. off quite a debate. Um, it has become a bit of a dog whistle for people with bigoted points of view. And I know that you have spoken out about how you don't want these people in your party. You're trying to get them off your, your social media. But I, but I do wonder uh, if you've noticed that uh, rebel media, for example, does seem to be fond of you. It's been accused, of course, of being supportive of white supremacist views. Ezra Levant, they have a, a million subscribers on YouTube, uh, mm. 150,000 followers on, on, uh, on Facebook. Do, do you want his support? Do you want his audience? I never understand why people talk to CBC hacks like Wendy Mansley. They're not acting in good faith. Jordan Peterson is perhaps the most successful Canadian author in a generation. 
I suppose it makes sense that he gave an interview to the CBC. I mean, he's done interviews all around the world. But imagine how lame you have to be as Wendy Mansley. You have Jordan Peterson, the public intellectual of the moment, and you just want to ask him why he's going on Rebel News. I've shown you this clip before. After your speaking out against the, uh, the federal bill, C-16, yep. and gender pronouns and so on, uh, the federal government cut your funding for research. Uh, Rebel Media came in and did a crowdfunding uh, project for you, raised about $200,000. Mm -hmm. um, after Charlottesville uh, and the riots, the protests there, uh, many people cut ties with Rebel Media, including the Conservative leader Andrew Scheer, saying mm -hmm. that it could be seen as giving hate groups a platform. Um, you still go on there. So I'm wondering, why do you go on Rebel Media after, after Charlottesville? Yeah. What a lame cancel culture, you know, deplatformer. So pitiful. It didn't work. I mean, water off a duck's back for Jordan Peterson. A bigger and smarter people than Wendy Mesley have tried to cancel him. But it, I just wanted to show you what she did for a living besides being Peter Mansbridge's ex. She was the smearer, the character assassin, the deplatformer. She would accuse you of racism if you simply were conservative. Alas, the racism was coming from inside the house. Wendy Mesley, it turns out, repeatedly dropped the N-word in full in staff meetings, including talking to people who were black or other visible minorities. She used the N-word, and everyone heard it and saw it on her staff, and they were appalled. But she wasn't fired. Not until news broke was she fired. But actually, it turned out that although she was suspended from her show, she wasn't fired. She just didn't have to work anymore to collect her salary. And the CBC, instead of firing her or condemning her, simply suspended her and then did what they did for Gian Gameshi. They covered up for her. They defended her. We showed you this from access to information documents that we received. The CBC had a policy of not allowing comments on their website that said what Wendy Mesley had been fired for or suspended for. They were censoring comments that gave the facts. They themselves wouldn't tell the truth about what she said, but they wouldn't let anyone else say it either. They banned any reference to it from all of the CBC's social media sites. They have many Twitter accounts and Instagram accounts. None of them were allowed to talk about their own scandal. And incredibly, the entire branch of the CBC called Radio Canada, the French version, didn't say a single word about her racism or her suspension. Well, she finally was fired, and I don't know why they hung on to her for so long, but today in the Globe and Mail, she has a 1,500-word pity party that is just incredible. The tone deafness, the insight into her mind of, of, of how she is the victim here is quite incredible, and I want to take you through it. I, I, I read this article online, and of course you can search, do a word search on a website, as you know. I counted the number of times she used the word 
I or me in this article. And it was 74 times, 74 times. She really is her own favorite subject. I suppose some of that's fair. I mean, she was talking about her incident. But it just, when you have that in mind and you read it, you realize what a person you're dealing with with Wendy Mansley. And I truly feel sorry for her staff who had to put up with her for so many years. The headline is just gorgeous. I made mistakes, but my departure wasn't the solution to the CBC's problem with racism. (laughs) Sorry, you're the one dropping the N-bomb. You're the one talking to black people and using the N-word. And you were just the scapegoat for the CBC's problem. You were the CBC's problem. I don't think there was anyone else of that senior rank strutting around the CBC just dropping those swears. Who talks that way? Unbelievable. Their problem? I want to take you through the article. It's, it's an incredible reflection, a little insight into Wendy Mesley's mind, but it's also incredible that the Globe and Mail published this. My favorite part is the first line. Wendy Mesley is an award-winning broadcast journalist. Yeah, um, if you say so, but I think she's known for something else now. Just incredible. For almost 40 years, my name had a prefix. I was the CBC's Wendy Mesley. Well, I'm sure some people call you that. I always called you Peter Mansbridge's ex. That's how you got the job, or if not got it, that's how you kept it. I fought against the status quo my whole life. That's why I got into journalism. Yeah, no, sister, when you're working for the state broadcaster as a government journalist who gives tongue baths to authority and smacks down as racist any opposition, you're not fighting against the status quo. You are the status quo. The article goes on. I'm not going to read all of it. There's just too much to criticize all of it. But let me hop ahead. She actually has the audacity to invoke George Floyd, the uh, U.S. man who was killed by a cop. She says, after George Floyd's murder last May, a black CBC reporter tweeted that she had repeatedly been called the N-word. I was furious. I wanted to put her on the air to discuss that and said so in a conference call with producers for The Weekly with Wendy Mansley. Um, Okay, but uh, why didn't you do that, Wendy? Why why did you never put her on TV? This isn't a lie, is it, Wendy? During our discussion, I was so upset over what our colleague experienced that I stupidly filled in the N-word. Why? I've asked myself that question a thousand times, and I have no good answer. Well, you've got 1,500 words here. Um, Who does that? You're talking to a person who's telling you they're upset about the N-word, and you just think, well, let me help you by saying it at you? What a... You know, um, you don't know why you did it. Maybe it's because you're a bit of a racist, just a guess, just a guess. Would you give the benefit of the doubt to anyone else, Wendy Mesley? I really don't know anyone else in media who drops the N-word like throwing confetti. And you just, oh, I just don't know what happened. Yeah, I know what happened, Wendy. 
but here's what, what gets him more incredible. She's talking about how in the context of George Floyd and a black CBC producer who's complaining about racism, she drops the N-word. But get this, and look at, the, look at the wording here. Look at the passive past tense. That would unearth an incident from months before while preparing another show on racism, focusing on Quebec's controversial 21, Bill 21, which banned head coverings. That would unearth an earlier incident from months before. Unearth what was something buried? Was, did something need to be unearthed? What's she talking about? Was there something hidden? <laughs> no, no, no. She's talking about herself. That would unearth the, an incident. No, it, it unearthed something it, that you yourself had said, sister. To make my point, she's talking about an earlier incident. I referenced the seminal 1968 book, Negre Blonde d'Amérique, a Marxist analysis by the Francophone writer Pierre Valliere. Again, I filled in the blank by saying the English title. To be honest, it didn't occur to me to say white N-words of North America. Didn't occur to you not to say the N-words. You're talking about racism, and it just didn't occur to you not to use the derogatory word. Didn't occur to you. You just, I mean, well, that would be weird to say N-word instead of to actually, so your default is to say the N-word? That's, that's who you are, how you live, 40 years at the CBC, and just no one ever told you that was wrong? How many times did Peter Mansbridge hear you say that word and, and, and not correct you? 40 years at the CBC, and it never occurred to her not to say the N-word? What planet are you from? And to think she's the hate finder general who would grill Maxime Bernier and Jordan Peterson over perceived intolerance or offensiveness. This is incredible. The CBC suspended me. At one point, I thought I was going to be fired. Instead, I was punished and also ordered to take sensitivity training. Okay, now, are you, are you saying that the sensitivity training <laughs> was a punishment? And I, I, don't, I don't quite know what she means by that. It was made clear to me that the CBC would look after the story and me. Hang on a second. So you're saying the CBC said they would defend you. They would cover up for you. They would help you get through it. Well, they, they sort of did, didn't they? Because they didn't actually fire her. They kept her on the salary. And as I showed you before, they censored the story both in comments, on social media, and in French CBC. So the CBC actually did circle the wagons around, around the end bomb dropper. <laughs> but she's the victim here. She says, trusting them was my second big mistake. As in, she assumed they would cover up for her. She assumed they would do what they did for Jean Gameshi, set up a war room and try and discredit any critics like they did for Jean Gameshi. The CBC did not offer me any public support. What were they supposed to do? Oh, she said the N-word in a good way. She meant it in a good way. You know that sort of kooky woman on the wrong side of 60 who's been accusing everyone else of racism for years? She's got her little conspiracy theory show at a time and place no one watches. You know that kook? And she's dropping the N-word in meetings with black staff. What's that word? We support her. 
she actually thought that they would support her dropping the N-bomb. I also felt it would have been wrong for me to play the victim card. Yeah, sister, you're playing the victim card in 1,500 words here in the Globe and Mail. This is incredible. This is, this is just creative writing. I, I don't know if this was written by her or Peter Mansbridge or some crisis PR team. It feels like it was written by a committee. It's incredible. Uh, let me just read this next paragraph. Th this, I think, is the most telling. So she's mad that the CBC fired her. She's mad that they didn't support her or cover up for her or defend her or whatever. She's just mad at a lot of things. She's mad that her earlier racist comments were unearthed. But look who she's the most mad at. Let me read. My silence backfired as players on all sides used me as a cudgel to advance political interests. While some journalists offered public support, my most vocal defenders were free speech warriors, yuck, who wanted to make me a cautionary tale about the dangers of cancel culture. That distinction horrified me because I fought to cancel injustice my whole life. I resent being made a poster child of a movement I wasn't part of. Did you, did you hear what she said there? She's f fought to cancel injustice her whole life. She believes in cancel culture. Let me read that again. That distinction horrified me. She horrified being distinguished as the cause celeb for anti-cancel culture types. She hated the fact that free speech people were for her. She hated the fact that anti-cancel culture people were for her. Because I fought to cancel injustice my whole life, even after she was canceled, she is proud of canceling other people. I resented being made a poster child of a movement I wasn't part of. So she's actually not for free speech. She's actually for cancel culture. She just thought somehow she'd be protected from it by, I don't know, Peter Mansbridge or, or some PR team. She still believes in cancel culture after everything, just for other people. All right, I'm almost done. And I believe the CBC had an agenda to use me to distract or absolve themselves from their own underlying problems. Yeah, I don't think the CBC was planning this, sister. I think you're a little bit solipsistic. Not the entire world orbits around you. You created a problem, and they finally, a year later, solved it. This wasn't some big plan of theirs to, you know, expiate their own sins by having you blow things up. But I soon learned there had been at least three other cases at the network involving shows in which the N-word was allegedly used in meetings. While one was reported, the other cases seemed to have disappeared internally. The broader questions of systemic racism swept under the rug until I became a convenient device for cleaning up their brand. What, are, are you saying that other people should be canceled too? Are, are you saying that you shouldn't have been canceled because it was just a trick? This woman is weird. After the cancellation of my show, I was offered another role that I saw as unreasonable. Now that's a little bit of news. What role did the CBC offer this racist? She's a serial N-word dropper. She believes in cancel culture. Here, she's just, everything. she thinks this whole thing is some conspiracy. Like I said, she's a conspiracy theorist. This whole thing is some conspiracy to take out the dirty laundry on her back. The CBC offered her a gig of some sort, she doesn't say what, even after her scandal? What role was that?
Who offered her a job after that? That's interesting. But remember, it's about her and her feelings. I remain angry. I'm angry at myself for hurting people. I'm angry at the CBC for abandoning me because of two moments. Do you think it was just two, really? Instead of judging me by my whole career. <laughs> well, isn't that funny? Because that's sort of how she operated on conservatives, isn't it? I understand the mistake I made was serious and invited repercussions, but I also submit that using a particular situation to advance broader agendas is divisive and wrong. Really? That's the whole description of your awful show. I'm sad. I'm left feeling mostly disappointed. And it goes on and it finally, blessedly ends. What an incredible insight into a horrible woman. I wish she hadn't written this. I wish the worst I knew about Wendy Mesley was that she was a self-appointed anti-racism hunter who herself was a racist. That's pretty low. But what I see in her article is all of that plus a feeling of that she is the victim, an entitlement that she demands the CBC stand by her even after her disgraces. It's quite funny to read the comments, even though this is in the Globe and Mail, the fancy pants newspaper. I, I see remarks along the line of, who's Wendy Mansley again? And there is one comment I saw, live by the sword, die by the sword. Well, isn't that the truth? You know, I think Wendy Mensley will land on her feet. Um, she's Peter Mansbridge's ex. That counts for a lot. And she did a lot of favors for a lot of powerful people. She pretends that she fought the man, but she actually slept with the man and worked for the man and polished the man's shoes for 40 years. She worked for power. She never challenged it. In fact, it wouldn't surprise me if Justin Trudeau appoints her to the Senate or something. I mean, after all, he's the guy who wore blackface so many times he couldn't count. Stay with us, more ahead. Well, Justin Trudeau is in Calgary, which suggests to me, since he hates that city and hates making that trip, that an election is afoot and he's just getting it out of the way now. I expect that Trudeau will announce an election in August and that the vote itself will be shortly after Labor Day, once school is back and work is back. And once the lockdown is hopefully lifted in the last of Ontario, Justin Trudeau will be able to campaign in a sleepwalk mode in August when most Canadians are busy enjoying their first summer of freedom in memory. And he'll have sort of a Joe Biden-style, low-energy, cocooned campaign where he won't really engage in debates or questions from the media, just little sound bites from his basement, as Joe Biden did. Heck, it worked for Biden, it'll work here. Wouldn't surprise me if Trudeau tries to have mail-in ballots like they had in the United States to ensure the Democrats' victory. Uh, joining us now via Skype from Calgary is our Calgary reporter, Adam Sos, who has been at least trying to follow Trudeau around the city. Adam, I think as a sign of things to come, Trudeau kicked out the media from his events today. Is that correct? 
Yeah, so they've had a very small uh, pool, pooling type media situation where uh, even mainstream outlets, if they're not in the four or five pre-approved reporters, they're simply not being granted access. Uh, what's worse than this, though, is um, we had a business this morning where the property owner really didn't have a problem with us being there. Then uh, Prime Minister's security team spoke with him and asked him to ask police and us to leave. So he's like, well, I don't really have a problem with it. There's a few protesters they asked to leave. And then the Prime Minister's security team literally intervened for him to request our departure. So hang on. He wanted protesters gone. Um, the yeah. security team. Security is interested in physical security safety. If there was an actual threat to him, of course, I would agree with security. But it sounds like if you're, you've just described them as protesters, they were not violent or a threat. They were just disagreeing with him. Is that correct? Yeah, and I mean, they weren't even overtly disagreeing with them. There, there's a few people who were simply standing around. And it is it, it was kind of an awkward area where it was a long stretch of private property. And the event was a private event around the corner. But uh, there was really no problem. No one from the group seemed to have an issue with people being there until security members started pointing that out. Um, this trend continued throughout the day, of course. Um, there was only the same few limited media people allowed access. But quite possibly the most concerning thing that we saw all day happened just now as uh, Justin Trudeau was leaving the Palliser Hotel in Calgary. Um, he actually had a large police contingent block off a long stretch of the sidewalk. They had all the big vehicles pull up and they were waiting there. Families couldn't get through, people couldn't get into the business. They were spending about 15, 20 minutes shutting the sidewalk and it was a duke. Justin Trudeau actually was going out another door. So they set up this entire false uh, departure scenario. The police didn't even know. They were rather upset that their time had been wasted and they didn't know that Justin Trudeau was using them as a distraction. Huh. You know, I want to come back to your earlier comment that the um, security detail shooed away protesters or not even, you said they weren't really even protesting in a lively way, but I would like to draw a distinction between shooing away protesters, uh, which I disagree with unless the protesters are some sort of physical threat, and shooing away media. You're not a protester, you're a journalist. Were you swept out as well? Yeah, and uh, it was, uh, at least there was some consistency that uh, we, we did notice global CTV, um, uh, CBC people also being ejected. So we certainly weren't being targeted. In fact, we were the last media party standing there. We're the last people that they asked to eject. We're not sure if the owner was fans or something, but we managed to stay there for quite a while after everyone was cleared out. And then eventually at that point, that's when the uh, security team for the prime minister spoke with the owner of the property. And then he asked us to leave with police present. Okay, so just to get this straight, um, Trudeau's team had all the media except for his handpicked friends shoot away. You stayed that's as right. long as you could. Trudeau's people asked the owner to have you kicked off, and you say you thought it was done reluctantly. You know, that, that wouldn't surprise me if a private business owner, property owner in Calgary, A, believed in free speech, and B, frankly, was a rebel supporter. I'm glad you did not leave quickly or, or too willingly. Um, I find this so indicative of uh, Trudeau, and this is what I said when I introduced you. He's going to have a low accountability uh, low access campaign. Um, did any of the other media who were ejected 
Did any of them complain even under the voice, under their breath? Did they complain to you in private? Did any of them seem unhappy with being treated as cattle to be herded away? Yeah, so certainly. So I know the one individual who was from CBC Canada, uh, Brent, um, was... Uh, he, he was part of the sort of contingent of media that found out the event was being around the back of the building. Um, so he uh, he was rather upset. Um, at one point, he spoke to them, and he seemed to be uh, given the indication that he might be allowed in, but it turned out that he was not allowed in um, in the end. So, uh, um, yeah, so there was a number of media outlets that were rather upset. There was actually a significant altercation, um, and we did capture it, where uh, uh, David Pavlowski and a number of other uh, counter-protesters were there, and they got into a bit of an altercation with Global News, actually. Um, and the Global News uh, cameraman was swearing uh, extensively at Pavlowski. Um, so there was some altercations. Uh, the media is definitely on high end. Uh, Rick Ball, who was also present and tried to gain access but was unable to. So um, definitely, I think you're accurate when you say that uh, there will not be media accountability for Justin Trudeau during this next election cycle. Right. I think Rick Bell, he's with the Calgary Sun. He's a really great reporter, real shoe leather man and the people, one of my favorite guys. Well, that's very interesting. And it's funny because I heard a little bit of this before we just invited you on. And I really do think they're going to use the Joe Biden playbook. A few controlled interviews, some uh, niche YouTube interviews, but really keep the public away from Trudeau, keep Trudeau away from the public. Don't let any independent journalist near him. Have a few favorites like Rosemary Barton and the other plaintiffs at the CBC who actually sued the Conservative Party, shoo away rebel news, call the cops on them if necessary. And what gets me, Adam, is not that I'm surprised. Listen, the leopard doesn't change its spots. This is what Trudeau and the liberals do. What gets me is that this is now the acceptable culture now. It's acceptable by the political media establishment. This is just how it is now. And if you don't like it, well, then don't take your media bailout, and they all do. So I think that the, we are in a new era of semi-authoritarianism. Um, if you were to tell me that in Turkey or Pakistan or, or a place like that or Russia, the, the leader's bodyguards shoot away press, I'd say, yeah, that sounds about right for Belarus. But when you tell me it's in Calgary, I just get sad because I see what's happening to Canada. Last word to you, Adam. Do you have any last words uh, before we say goodbye? Any anything? How long is Trudeau expected to be in Alberta? Yeah, so, so there's just a big uh, military vehicle flying overhead, so it's very loud. Um, he, it's been a kind of a comedically short visit to Calgary. He had two locations that are directly adjacent to the Calgary airport and one trip at one of the most expensive uh, downtown Calgary hotels. So he has an announcement coming at 1.45 today. Um, some people have suggested that he may call the election today. I don't think that's necessarily the case. He's actually at one of the transit maintenance lines now. So we, we suggest that potentially he could be announcing funding for the Green Line or something along those lines. But he, he arrived this morning um, around 8 a.m. and he's going to be gone by about 2. We are hearing, though, that he may be back. Um, he's swinging into B.C. and he may be back for a stampede breakfast this weekend already. Yeah. Well, uh, I think that we've had a snapshot of what things are going to be like. Adam, thanks for covering it. And I'm glad to hear that that property owner was friendlier to Rebel News than Trudeau's bodyguard. And I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm going to call them thugs, 
But when you shoo away peaceful protesters and journalists, I think the label might fit. Adam, great to see you. Thanks for your work. Thanks very much. Really appreciate it. All right. There you have it. Adam Sos, our Calgary reporter on the scene, one of various reporters. Uh, I'm slightly surprised uh, to hear, as you heard too, that other mainstream reporters, including apparently a French CBC reporter, were shooed away by Trudeau's personal staff. Stay with us more. Hey, welcome back on my show last night. Maurice writes, Rebel needs to get a TV channel similar to Fox. Then you can reach out to a nation. Listen, I hear what you're saying. Not just Fox, but in the United Kingdom, um, GB News. Trouble is, that just simply won't happen in Canada. I know, because I was part of the last effort to try. Pierre-Carl Pelado, as much of an establishment man as is possible. He literally owns a company called Quebecor. He has the largest media company in that province. Newspapers, TV stations, cable companies. Even he, after sinking $50 million into Sun News Network, was undone by the CRTC, a bunch of lawyers and bureaucrats with all their, you know, colluding with the cable company oligarchs, killed the Sun News Network. If they would kill the Sun News Network against Pierre Carl Pelado, of course they would think nothing of destroying Rebel News. Our future lies online. Alfonso writes, we are experiencing the illusion of back to normal. Get ready for the demonization of vaccine skeptics and the lockdowns and restrictions returning this fall just in time for the annual flu season. You're right, and I don't want you to think that I've suddenly said, okay, we're done on that. I'm saying that I believe that the lockdowns will relax, we'll have uh, fewer lockdown news stories to write about, fewer lockdown fines to fight in our Fight the Fines campaign. I think actually the vast majority of those fines will simply be abandoned by the government. I did specifically mention that vaccine passports are the number one legal risk I see going forward. I'm just trying to think ahead to other issues like the election, C-10 and C-36, the censorship bills, the self-destruction of the media that took Trudeau's poisonous bailout. I'm trying to think ahead, what will Rebel News be like? Yes, obviously we're not done talking about the lockdowns and vax and things like that, but what comes after that? Because there will be an after that. There will be other issues, and I just want to position ourselves to take those on. I thank you for your support. That's our show for today. Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you and home, good night. Keep fighting for freedom.